Good morning, baseball fans. Welcome to the 17th edition of the Walk Off Bach. It is August 18th, 2016, Thursday. Um, my name is Kevin Kim. I'm along here with my co-host, Tom Mulhern. Hey, Tom. Hey, Kev. How you doing? Pretty good. Uh, we're actually recording this on the night of Wednesday, August 17th. Uh, the Red Sox just beat the Orioles 8-1 to in a rain-shortened outing where David Price pitched a complete game of six innings. And the Red Sox offense decided to show up. Once again, a uh, sixth win in a row for the Sox. They are 76-52, and 52, and one game behind Toronto, who won today, and one game above Baltimore, who they just beat, obviously. Yeah. So, very nice win today. Um, Red Big Sox, win. Yeah, Red Sox beating Dylan Bundy, who's been pretty hot lately. Um, mm. Home runs by Jackie Bradley Jr. and Sandy Leone. Um so, yeah, uh, we just kind of jumped right into the Beantown banter. But anyway, uh, let's talk Jackie Bradley for a little bit. I mean, he hasn't been doing too well this month, but today, two hits, four runs batted in, along with a homer. Yeah, you know, Mookie Betts can't be doing it all the time, right? Uh, he had to take a break sometime. Uh, but, you know, the impressive thing with JBJ is that, you know, unlike when he first broke into the league, obviously he was a lot younger but unlike then you know he's been able to um you know bounce back and forth and when he gets down he can get back up I mean in the last four games he has three home runs and you know the one that he hit uh, against the uh, Orioles just you know in this 8-1 win it was big because at the time when he hit it the Red Sox or I should say the Orioles had tied the game 1-1 in the second inning um, off Chris Davis' home run. Very next inning in the top of the third, JBJ hits a hits a two-run shot and puts them back uh, up, and it you know gives them a little bit more momentum going forward. And those are kind of the you know that's what you really need from your your offense is when the opponent puts up those runs and gains momentum. You as an offense need to get that momentum back, and uh, JBJ you know he really did that. Um, with his performance today, you know, two for four, like you said, four RBIs. Recently, he's um, you know, he's killing it. Jackie Bradley, yeah. yeah, not bad. I mean, just this month, I mean, he's only hitting you know 180 uh, with the 320 slugging around there. But for the season, you know, he's still batting 282, 362 on base, 512 slugging. So definitely still a top tier offensive player. We we're going to see another hot streak from him sometime this year, so uh, we could be witnessing it right now, the very beginning of it. Yeah, let's hope that's true. Yes. Speaking of hot streaks, uh, so the Red Sox, when they signed Sandy Leon late last year, I mean, they did not think they would get a guy who would be hitting 500 over the first like two weeks of his uh, Red Sox 2016 yeah. season. Yeah. Well, you know, we haven't talked much about Leon in this podcast, and I'm not sure why, because he's really been put... It, it's It's been over 50 games now that he's played for the Red Sox. And, well, mm-hmm. not over 50 games. He's 42 games, but he's still hitting 383. This man is on fire! Yes. Sing it from the heavens, Kevin. Um, Hell yeah. Yeah, so, you know... This is something that was covered before, but um, 
not by us, but uh, Leon, the big thing with him is he really rejuvenated. Oh, okay, I won't say rejuvenated his career because he's still young. Um, he's still only 27. But, you know, he was really known as a defensive catcher when he came up uh, through the um, came up from the minors. Um, you know, he only came up because Ryan Hannigan uh, and Blake Swihart went on the DL at the same time. And, you know, they Red Sox weren't expecting a lot out of him. And then, like you said, obviously he exploded. And the biggest reason why is because, you know, he worked on this with uh, so the in in the minors and also with um, the assistant hitting coach. His name is escaping me right now. But Victor Rodriguez? I yes, yes. Rodriguez, yes. Of the, uh, of the Red Sox, you know, their hitting coach. What he did was is that they made his his um his eye level more consistent. Uh, what he was doing before in his stance before he would you know do his stride and, and the pivot and everything you know and really get into his cut he would crouch down and then he would come up and then he would go back down uh, or yeah his like body would raise up and down and it would change his eye level and it made it difficult for him to you know really get good contact. They changed it so that he would stay tall the whole time all the way through his swing. Until the until the very end when he was you know coming to uh, con- like to the point of contact with the ball, and you know obviously the, he's reaped the benefits of it. I mean a home run uh, just against the the Orioles um, that's his sixth of the of the year, and he only has something like 133 plate appearances. You know if he was an everyday catcher, you know and getting about 400 plate appearances in the season. You know, that's a solid 20 home runs right there. And that's very quality from a catcher. You know, so, at the beginning of the year, you would never think that, you know, after Blake Swihart and Christian Vasquez and Ryan Hannigan goes down, that mm-hmm. this guy would be everyday catcher. But, you know, I mean, he started off so hot. We didn't think that that would last for the Red Sox or for Sandy Leon. But, you know, like 42 games in, he's batting 380. I mean, that's fueled by a really high batting average balls in play, 458 right now. That's not going to last, obviously. But what does last? Um, definitely statistics that stabilize really quickly include walk rate and strikeout rate. Sandy Leon's walk rate right now, 8.3%. Strikeout rate, 20%. Both are, uh, the strikeout rate's a little below average, as in he's striking out a little more, but he is batting with power. 243 isolated slugging. So these three t- statistics um, are most indicative of actual improvement and actual skill in a player. And because Sandy Leone, you know, Babbitt, it's going to go down. He's probably actually like a true talent, maybe like 270, 280 hitter. But he's shown that he's able to consistently get walks, strike out at a not unreasonable rate, and hit for power. And if you can do that, you know... We haven't seen that much from Blake Swihart, who's out for the year anyway. Christian Vasquez is still in the minors. I mean, maybe we could see Sandy Leon even come back next year as the primary catcher. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> like, I, mean, I can't like, believe we're saying this. That's crazy. Yeah, I know. I, I never saw this coming either. And the thing is, you know, those are all great numbers and, and, and great to think about because the Red Sox aren't asking for Buster Posey. You know, they're not – or Jonathan Lucroy. Uh, from Sandy Leon. They're not asking for those kind of talents. They don't need that. They need a catcher who can who can show prove his own defensively, which he's a very talented defensive catcher. And you know, they compare him with Christian Vasquez and that's why they were okay with demoting Christian Vasquez to AAA in the first place. Um to maybe work on his offensive game more. 
but you know, if he's putting up a, if even if he cools off significantly and drops down to a 280 hitter, you know, that's still very good for a catcher batting in the at the bottom end of the lineup anyway. You know, there are lineups who have guys who are batting in the bottom of the order who are batting like 240 or 230. You know, and you're going to be hitting around 280. And even right now, he's hitting three, uh, whatever it was, 380, something like that, three to three. Um, you know, that's what he's doing right now. Even if he cools off, he's a significant uh, addition to this team. Um, and you know, unexpected, but certainly delightful. Yep, uh, Sandy Leon putting in the work. Hell yeah! All right, so okay. That's enough about this catcher. Let's talk a little about David Price. Price going six innings today. Uh, interestingly, no walks, but four strikeouts and 84 pitches in six innings. That's that's a lot. We talked a little bit. Um, Tom and I talked about this a, a little bit off screen. You know, seems like Price was kind of not able to finish batters off after giving up fouls for quite a bit i mean he overall he pitched very well i mean you know complete game quote unquote six innings only four hits but uh maybe not the sharpest stuff today yeah no and that isn't to say he wasn't quality because obviously you know one run uh holding the orioles you know very uh talented offensive team holding them to four hits in one run uh through six that's you know that's you can't really ask for too much more than that. I mean, I guess you can ask for a shutout, but, you know, one run is certainly sufficient enough. And uh, that's what you want out of a guy who's supposed to be your ace, which we'll talk about soon. Um, but, yeah, like you said, it looked like not that he wasn't on his game, but he kind of just lacked that um, that usual um, just feeling that he has with, with his pitches that, you know, can really um, – be that you know that strikeout pitch or that pitch that really you know just tricks you and, and makes you hit a little dinker down the line. Like he didn't really have that that finishing pitch, and like you said, there were a lot of foul balls, and um, it also made it easier for uh, Baltimore to take to take balls. Like uh, when they usually you know when they see that slider coming, may, they usually you know take a cut at it because it looks like it's going to be a fastball. But you know that wasn't so much the case this time. Um, which, you know, is okay because if, if he, you know, on, I guess an off day, um, with his pitches, um, you know, on one of these off days, if he can hold one of the best offensive teams in the league to one run in six innings, I mean, granted it was raining, but still, you know, you think maybe because of the rain, he didn't have too much control over his pitches as well. That's something that I yeah, that's that's a good point too. That could that could have been it. Okay. Well, Price, you know, Red Sox ace. Okay, we gotta have the discussion. You know, is Price an ace? Simple as that. Yes or no? What do you think, Tom? I think yes, and and I'll tell you why. Just because, obviously, he's been underwhelming. Uh, co- you know, compared to the expectations that Red Sox fans have had. And obviously, he ha- he still has a four plus ERA, and you know he has his moments where it's just like, oh, come on, Price, like you're supposed to be our 217 million dollar man, you know, show that you're worth it. Obviously, you know he hasn't really proved that he's worth that money, but he still holds. He's tied. He's tied for Stephen Wright 
for the highest uh, war per fan graphs for starting pitchers with a 3.2 war. You know, with your ace, you want that. I mean, that's higher than Rick Porcello. Uh, I think that Rick Porcello, you know, he's been great. He's he, his, you know, performances suggest that he would be the ace. And, you know, I would probably, I guess, I guess the question really boils down to one game playoff. Who would you, who would you put in there? Oh, definitely price. Like there's no question. Like Red Sox fans, they're so quick to judge price based on the, the high level of expectation they have on the pitcher coming in. They, they've seen price, you know, go off in Toronto, you know, embrace the city and, you know, bring out eight innings. 10 strikeout games after game after game. And after they see him come into the Red Sox, they just expect so much. I mean, he's had 14 strikeout games, 10 strikeout games over and over again, but it's just like they just expect him to win every single little game. And, you know, Porcello has gotten more run support. You know, he's got 6.5 runs a game to prices 5. 5 is still above average, but somehow the Red Sox seem to, you know, lose a lot of their games, the games that Price pitches. Why is that? Bullpen? That's not Price's fault. You know, 10, 10 and 8. Unfortunately, the record, that's that's kind of one of the biggest indicators that people see even nowadays, even though we know that the win isn't as indicative a stat. I think that's, that's a big problem. And Price, you know, his ERA is still up there, but it's come down basically start after start after start. His FIP and his XFIP is still up there. Well, up there as in low, so up there within the ranks. So 3.9, yeah, that's pretty good. So like, yeah, so stri- price. And, you know, it's it's also difficult to say whether he's worth a twenty two $217 million. Definitely not. Definitely not. You don't think I don't, so? I don't think he's worth the $217 million. I think that he was a good addition. Um, and he's he if he had better run support, you know, he could easily be, you know, uh, like thirteen and and I don't know five or something like that. He could easily, you know, just one or one or two runs from the offense. He could easily have that better record. Um, but you know, when you look at, I mean, how much how much is Kershaw getting? Kershaw's getting like thirty million a year, but Kershaw is signed to an extremely team-friendly extension. It's like, okay, see, when we talk money, we always have to think about what is available out there in the market that the team can acquire. With the same money, they cannot acquire Chris Sale. Chris Sale is on the White Sox. They cannot acquire um, Jose Fernandez. The best type of the what the Red Sox had this offseason was. The money. They didn't want to trade away their prospect. They didn't want to trade Yohan Moncada for Sonny Gray. Thank goodness. They didn't want to trade trade for somebody like Cole Hamels last year. Um, I mean, that would have that would have been very interesting, like a Mookie bets for a Cole Hamels trade. Uh, you know, imagine imagine if that <laughs> happened, right? Legit. Like Swihart for Hamels, like in hindsight, would have been nice. But it's like, you know, what is available out there? And the Red Sox had the money, and they were able to sign David Price. Uh, the other options were like guys like Mike Leake for five five years, eighty million. Like, huh? Yeah, no, no thank you. Zach Granke, six years, two hundred million. For trade, we could have gotten Shelby Miller. We, as in the Red Sox, could have gotten Shelby Miller. Ugh. I mean, look, seeing the available options out there, I mean, it's 
you throw you throw you throw around the two hundred seventeen million mark. Uh, you as in Red Sox fans, I should say. Um, but it's like you got you got to look at what's out there, and even then, Price has an opt out clause after twenty eighteen, which means that if he's a beast for three years at thirty million dollars a year, you pay him ninety million dollars and he's gone. You don't even have to pay him the whole money, and yeah. you know if he keeps pitching the way he's pitching right now, there's no way he's not gonna opt out. He's you gonna... don't think he would opt out. He will. He'll. He'll hundred percent opt out at thirty three with a bigger payday coming up. I mean, I mean sorry. I've, I'm sorry. I, I meant to say you think he would opt out. I don't know. I don't think that. I think if he opted out, um, in three years, I mean, if he's keeping up what he's doing right now, he would get less money just because you know when he pitched for Toronto, he was more lights out. That's not to say that Price hasn't. You know. Okay. He has a four nineteen ERA, but. I don't. I don't really look at that too much and say, you know, he's been he's been gross. You know, he's had a ton of he's had a ton of outings, like we already mentioned, where you know he lasts deep in the game and he'll allow like three earned runs. You know, I'm perfectly fine with that from my ace. It doesn't need to be shut out. But you know, that's the kind of money, like 217 million dollars. That was to buy a guy who was going to, you know, Kershaw it up. Yeah, I made it a verb. Kershaw <laughs> it up. Uh, and allow two runs, one run, no run. Like, well, around. look at it this way: Zach Greinke, he got six years, two hundred million dollars this winter. He opted out after age thirty-four. David Price will be opting out after age thirty-three. Um, but is it is it is it really like tough to say that David Price will be a better pitcher than Zach Greinke at that time? I mean, I don't think that's unreasonable at all, and he's. He's better now than Greinke was at his age. I mean, if he continues to pitch like this, who's to say that he he won't be? And salaries are only going up every year. He'll be leaving four four years, um, $128 million on the table. $127 million on the table. The thing is, though, you know, one, and I don't, I don't know this number, but, you know, what was Greinke's salary before he opted out from the Dodgers? And two... Grinky had a Cy Young caliber season, if not for Arietta. And when he opted out, you know, that that's different. If David Price was having and he could the next two years, but if he if he's having Cy Young season, if he's having a Cy Young season when he can opt out, you know, then I would expect him, yeah, you know, try to get even more money. But, you know, he's already he already just broke the record for biggest contract for a pitcher. And he, he you know how much more money do you think he's he's gonna try to get? And he and well, I mean, tries. I don't think he he would get it. I mean, as a baseball player, you you try to get as much money as you can. I mean, you you got to fight for yourself. I mean, it, it. I would I would say it's not unreasonable that he would try to get as much money as he can. Granky was due for twenty four million, twenty three million, twenty four million over the next three years of his contract, which he opted okay. out of. But yes. instead got $34.4 million a year for six years. So, you know, uh, I agree that Grinke had a Scion caliber season last year, but Price, is he has a track record too, as yeah. does Grinke. And in my book, quality-wise, they're similar pitchers. And yeah. if, if David Price were to possibly get an offer from like an NL West team, he'll go. He'll go for he'll go for more money. He'll oh, go. Oh yeah, no, he'll I'm get not, six I'm not six two hundred easily. 
yeah, no, I'm not doubting that if he knew the money was there, he would go. But I'm saying, you know, maybe it wouldn't be. Uh, if if he were to have the season like he's having this season. Uh, if he's having the season years, that he's having this season, I mean, he'll definitely get he'll definitely get six two hundred easily. Uh, well, he's already he's already do that though. Oh no, I guess it's I guess it's about a five million dollar raise. Um, but well, at that point he he'd have like a four year like um hundred twenty million dollar deal. So like he'd get a lot more in guaranteed money, maybe not per year, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know the thing is, you know this is all obviously talking in the future, and you know if Porcello. You know, we were talking the same thing last year with Porcello. Was he worth that extension? Everybody said no. I mean, granted, Porcello was a, a hell of a lot worse than what Price has been this season. Um, but, you know, look at what Porcello's doing now. People, Red Sox fans everywhere are screaming, Porcello, Cy Young, yeah, Porcello, Cy Young. You know, just last year they were <laughs> ripping him and telling him, you know, get out of Boston, we hate you, blah, 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 you know, fill in the blank. It's just maybe Price could have a similar kind of turnaround settling into um, to Fenway Park and all that. Um, but, I, you know, we kind of got off track a little bit. Um, but, I mean, I guess not too off track. But, you know, overall, I would say, yes, Price is still the ace. He's getting paid the ace money. He's performing a lot of the time like an ace, um, like – I guess you can look at the 10 hits, 7 hits, 6 hits, you know, 3 and runs, 3 and runs, 4 and runs, 5. You know, those aren't suggestive of a lights out pitcher all the time, but that doesn't make him not an ace. The point is Red Sox fans, cool your horses. David yeah. Price is amazing. He will continue to be amazing for the rest of the year if they make it to the playoffs. David Price will pitch great games and that's just just chill. He's fine. Like He's it. good. I like how you just combine two phrases. Cool your horses. Cool your jets. Hold your horses. <laughs> I'm saying it from now on. Cool your horses. Cool your horses, boys. Yes. All right. Uh, all right. Um, anything else uh, we want to talk about the Sox? Uh, well, something that we're going to talk about, and you know what I'm talking about, kind of relates to the Sox, but we can kind of move on to um to the next portion of our uh, – of our podcast talking about Tommy LaStella. Take it away. All right. So my boy Tommy LaStella. Okay, I like this guy because he's kind of a he's kind of a f authority kind of guy. You know, he's just like okay. So what happened was a couple of weeks ago, the Cubs they decided to activate Chris Coughlin from the DL. Now, since Chris Chris Coughlin and Tommy LaStella play the same position primarily, second base. And Tommy Lestella is a backup, and so is Chris Coughlin. Uh, the Cubs decided because their offense is their twenty-five man roster is so deep and so stacked that they're going to option Tommy Lestella to the minors. Problem is, Tommy Lestella doesn't want to go to the minors because Tommy Lestella is hitting two ninety-five with a four eighty slugging percentage. Tommy Lestella is putting in the work, so he's like, "Why do I gotta go to the minors? I'm I'm an amazing player, and I'm doing very well this year." So he's just like, Ugh, all right, Cubs. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be with you. So he goes back home, contemplates retirement, decides not to take his optional assignment to the minors. But yesterday he decided to come back. He decided to come back to the Double uh, A uh, Cubs team in Iowa, 
and it looks like it looks like he will continue to resume his baseball career. Thank goodness. This guy's twenty seven. This is kind of like his breakout year. Even though he's a backup and he's been kind of a career backup for the past three years, you know. Ugh, like you gotta feel for the guy, you know. Like he's putting in the work, and he gets options to the minors, even though he's like performing like a league average regular. Yes. Yeah, he's a victim of uh of too good of a team of the Cubs, you know. You know crazy? those Cubs, they're they're just you know they're villains. You know they take they take good players and they they treat them poorly and they send them to the minors. Ah, oh, I hate those Cubs. How, oh, they're so mean. how dare they? Like the Red Sox could use like eight Tommy Lestellas and just put them all over the field and like like just put in work. Okay, okay, maybe maybe not all at the same time though. I don't all think, right, fine. I don't maybe, think there maybe were very many games, but. I, I see what your point is, and you know this kind of um this kind of brings me to this question. You know, obviously the Red Sox could use a guy like Tommy Estella. I mean, like you said, he's sitting 295 off the bench, um, in about 105 plate appearances or, or at bats. He's got more plate appearances with blocks and such. Um, you know, who would you rather, him or Aaron Hill? Oof, this is a tough one. You know, Aaron Hill's a righty. Tommy Estella's a lefty hitter. Yes. Hmm. You know. I like Listel better. He's younger. He's a better base runner. Uh, he can play. Well, they can play about similar amount of situ- uh, positions. But uh, I feel like Listel is more versatile, and lefty bat is more valuable off the bench than a righty bat. What do you think? Well, here's the thing. If this were any other team, I'd probably say. Well, actually, no. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go for it. I'm not even gonna complete that thought. You know, I won't. No. Uh. I would say I would prefer Aaron Hill. And it's because, yeah, Tommy Estelle is a better base runner and he has a little bit more speed. But, you know, the difference isn't that tremendous where, you know, you would have to be like, oh, Tommy Estelle, he's a great base runner. Aaron Hill plays better defense. They both play the same position, second and third, um, while Tommy Estelle in his MLB career has never played shortstop and Aaron Hill has. Granted, last time Aaron Hill played shortstop in a game was in 2006, uh, and he's well past his prime, so I don't think he's going to be playing shortstop anytime soon. But I guess that's not important. He played Aaron Hill, per fan graphs, has better defensive rating, and per ESPN, has a uh, a positive defensive war, while Tom Lucella has a negative defensive war. And then on top of that, you know, they're playing in Fenway Park. Obviously... For the most part. Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. Aaron, Aaron Hill yeah. can blast it over the monster. Anytime. Yes. Or so. off the double. Or, or off the double. Huh? Or off the wall for doubles. You know, Aaron Hill has more power. Okay. Not, you know, not mind-blowing power, but he does have more power. All right. How about this? Tommy LaStella or Pablo Sandoval? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Do, do the Red Sox have to pay, to, pay Tommy LaStella? $90 million. Dollars. <laughs> Okay, Tommy Lestella or Travis Shaw? <laughs> oh, Tommy Lestella. I, I really interesting. I think that Shaw. You know, I think. Okay, you know, I'm not. I'm actually not too sure. Um, I I well, admit that I'm quick to to criticize Shaw because you know I kind of see him. Uh, I won't say a fraud like we have in the past. I'll I'll change I'll change that. I think he's less of a you know. Uh, we'll go fad. We'll say fad. He's less of the fad that people, you know, really think that he or think that he was when he was going crazy in the beginning of the year and last year when he got called up. You know, it was 
he was bound to cool off. Travis Shaw, this is. Uh, he was bound to cool off, and he has significantly. I mean, he's he's hitting what around two sixty. Uh, he's striking out a ton. He's dropped from fifth to eighth in the batting order when when he's playing. Um, he just had that terrible home stand where he went like 0 for 16 in his first 16 at bats, or it was 0 for 14. It was some somewhere around there. It wasn't pretty. His defense, he's got a decent glove. Um, actually, he's got a pretty good glove, and he has a he has a pretty strong throwing arm at third. But you know, at the bat, with the bat, I mean, I don't know. He's kind of just been. He had that hot start, but he's really cooled off, and he's got more power than Tommy Lestella. But I think at the bottom of the order, I would rather the uh, the hitting for average and uh, Tommy Lestella's got that. I would agree with going Tommy Lestella over Travis Shaw. Um, okay, last one. All right. Just give me the answer on this one. Yes. Yeah. I already know the answer, but Travis Shaw or Brock Holt? Oh, hands down, JBJ. What? Brock twist, no. <laughs> uh, uh, no, Brock Holt, obviously. Brock Holt. Alright, well, okay. With that, that's going to be it for this edition of the Walk Off Bach. Um, be sure to check us out on Twitter at Pod. Check out Tom's blog at Mulhern's Messages. Um, the Red Sox will be starting a series at Detroit today. Um, starting at 1. First starting at up. 1. Four-game yeah. series. And uh, we will be back with you tomorrow morning, as always. Uh, this is Kevin Kim. Uh, Tom Mulhern. And we're signing out. See you guys later. Peace. Adios.